What's up, guys? Farhad from Two and Giants Podcast. Uh, before you begin listening to this podcast, please accept my apology. Uh, my audio is not the best. I do not know what happened. It wouldn't be fair to my guests, Rav and Chris, to not post this podcast. Uh, I hope you don't skip it because of the audio quality. It really is not that bad. It's just instead of my mic, I was using my laptop speaker, and that's not the best quality unfortunately but that does not reflect the content of the podcast and we we had a great conversation about uh Coppa Italia's final and the Juve season and we took a bunch of listener questions uh um yeah that's I just wanted to tell you guys that as always thank you so much for checking out our podcast and for all the kind words so I really hope you enjoyed this um in spite of my mistake I take full responsibility Rob and Chris sound great so Enjoy them. You can skip my parts. <laughs> uh, love you guys. Forza Juve. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Turin Giants Podcast. This time, episode number 191. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unhappy time in Juve, in, in Juve land, so... Uh, it's one of those therapy sessions, baby, and these are the, these turn out to be, to be the best ones because you guys turn up. I feel like I feel like the the real fans stay even for the bad episodes. So we appreciate you. My name is Farhad. I'm the host that loves you most, and we have two very special co-hosts. I'm not gonna call you guys guests, you guys guests, because you guys you guys are friends. Um, first time on a podcast together. We got Rav, Mister at uvafc.com formerly no. i was gonna say don't give me a heart attack <laughs> i mean i think i think that will be the last time we introduce you like that we'll just do rob because people yeah. are still discovering your um your identity on twitter yeah and also joining us is chris the man behind the inconvenient truth twitter account which i feel like I feel like it's one of the one of the best ones. If if you if you follow ten accounts, it has to be one of the, one of them because the 100%. opinions are the opinions are pretty golden there. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Sorry for talking your ear up there. No, I'm feeling good. You guys humble me every single time, so I'm just surprised it. anybody has any interest in anything I have to say most of the time. Well, there there's different different accounts and different reasons people follow on Twitter. It's Talk shit, see some memes, but if you do want to engage in a smart conversation, I feel you two are you two are the best um no. best accounts to follow. So Rav is what's your what's your Twitter handle, buddy? Uh I don't know. <laughs> I literally don't know. I swear, give me two seconds. Well we'll we'll go with we'll go with we'll go with uh, Chris first. If you want to follow Chris, so it's at itruth98. So it's a letter I truth. 98 uh mine is uh il gobo 2002 or just search for il gobo juventino and you'll find me it's a my profile picture is one of um giorgio chiellini yes so, sir yes sir we will we'll be speaking about giorgio chiellini uh before we get to it uh just want to say that chris needs to uh hop off the podcast in about 40 minutes or so if he likes it he'll stay but i think he has prior engagements and we appreciate you giving us some time so he'll just say hi, and, and we'll be with Rob um, uh, kind of finishing up. I don't want to go too long. Uh, if I see a podcast 
which is that is over 50 minutes. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't have time for more than 50 minutes of your podcast. <laughs> I've got I got shit to do, baby. Hey, Let's go. Listen, I, I've got uh, I've got things to do, unfortunately. But if I could jump in and say one thing, Rav clearly, despite having sort of a ghosted a ghosted account these days, still has an insane amount of clout with the audience because after one shout out, my phone has just been a, like a, a constant barrage of, mm-hmm. of follow notifications since your okay. message on Twitter yesterday, my friend. So thank you. Uh, no, it's thank only you truth, for, man. for ruining the last 24 hours. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't do it very often because I, you know, like it's kind of a semi anonymous account, but you know, like I like to give a shout out to the, the best people I follow and you're like the, one of the best people like you and far you and Turin giants are the, the two best. So, yeah. All right. Let's, let's thank you. Brother. Let's stop kissing each other's asses over here. We got, we got Alessandro Belpiero in the house. Never forget. He is the boss of the podcast. So, uh, be, because we have a lot of questions from the audience and as always, you guys are the best. we got the, the, the regular heroes and, you know, people joining us for the first time. We will go through a lot of the questions. Let's talk about the game first. Um, uh, I'm 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 mad. I'm really really upset. This is this is not one of those losses where oh you did this Allegri that and of course you get the Allegri. Let me just just preface the the, the podcast what I think and I will let you guys speak because no one's here hear me talk. But I'm just upset. I'm I'm so mad that the refereeing is going from bad to worse. And even if you see Inter fans defending the the penalties that were given, and of course they will. I don't think any clear thinking person can say that, oh, Lautaro really did, really was fouled. And that's just, just, just as, as in a nutshell, as I can put it, it was a dive checked by VAR, still nothing. The refereeing in Italy has been so terrible. I feel like in Europe and in the Champions League and in the, you know, leagues, it's gotten a lot better. We don't see those shocking mistakes anymore. But in Italy, just continue continues to happen. It's clown show, and now it's costing us trophies. We were we were coasting towards the, the win, and whether you like Allegri's tactics or not, those penalties. What what can we do about that? What can we do about the dives that you go and check on, on on the monitor, and you still come back and you point to the spot? I'm really really mad because I really really wanted Kirini. And Dybala to lift that trophy. I'm very upset, and and I feel like this will take the hatred for Inter and its players to to a new level. This this was, yeah, this this was this was one of the one of the bad ones. This this is this is going to stink for a while. Uh, Rob, how you feeling? And uh, Chris, tell us about tell us about the the feeling when you woke up today. Um, pretty much the same as you, to be honest, man. Uh, it, it wasn't so much a personal thing, like in the worst possible way, I kind of written the season off. Like I'm, I'm relieved that it's coming to an end because it, it just hasn't been a positive season, but more so than anything else, even more than for Dybala, for Chiellini, I've really wanted it to be like a positive sign off. Cause I think when Buffon left and Barzali left, I think it, it was a bit more positive and to end his sort of, not end his career, but leave his tenure at Juve in that way was just, it wasn't the right way to finish it. Um, the game itself, I, I sort of mentioned something on Twitter this morning where 
I kind of felt like there used to be a point where I think maybe, you know, two, three years back, maybe four years back, we could easily go up by a goal or be, you know, like two one up and there's 20 minutes left and the team just go, okay, right, we're going to close this out. And there would not be any concerns whatsoever because we had the quality in the midfield and in defense and the game management was good enough that we could just kill a game off. And everyone knew and like the opposition knew as well that, okay, this is going to be really difficult. You know, they, they're kind of going into that mode where they just want to win the game or whatever. Last night, I didn't have that feeling. I just kind of felt like a friend of mine messaged me and he was like, please don't lose this. He supports Milan and he really didn't want Inter to win. He's like, please, you guys don't lose this. And I'm like, they're defending too early. It's just too much. And sure enough, you get undone by a dreadful penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty. And uh, I don't know, I, I just... It, <sighs> I'm not even angry. I'm just kind of, I feel more sort of defeated kind of and just ready for, for the summer, ready to, to move on to the next season because this kind of feels appropriate for the season that we've had. It just kind of feels like, okay, this is like a, a fitting end. It, it was like the Juve season and the Juve players and Allegri in like a little microcosm in 90 minutes. So I don't know. I don't know if Chris, Chris agrees. How do you feel, Chris? You know what? I think uh, it's a pretty sound summary in the sense that I think um, it's it's sort of at the point where I feel a bit of relief now that the season is finally coming to a conclusion. And I, I was sort of left with this thought of, you know, for all of the winning that we've done, for all of the matches that we've won, our, our highest of highs over the last 10, 11 years, I still find myself saying that we, we've missed out on some of those really storybook endings so many times over the years, whether it was um, you know, the BBC missing out on their, their Champions League opportunity. Buffon over the years. And, and characteristic of those ends, we, we find ourselves once again now seeing Chiellini and, and Dybala potentially going out on sour notes like this as well, too. And so I, I think it, it's so typically characteristic of, of us feeling a little bit unfulfilled in that way with that storybook ending. But um Part, uh, you know, aside from that, partially what I, I sort of fixate on here in this situation is, is mostly the fact that while refereeing all over Europe tends to be pretty inept on a consistent basis, I think you just want consistent ineptitude if you're going to get it. And uh, for me, the one part of the match that I really struggled to accept was going back to Brozovic, getting the yellow for the pullback foul punting the ball away immediately afterwards and escaping the double yellow, uh, quite frankly, yeah. it was sort of shocking. And I think that was the moment where, you know, my, my eyes sort of uh, perked up a little bit and I, I was a little surprised at the way Valerie was operating and to go back and call that a penalty on Lautaro in a very you know, pretty clear situation where he hooks his leg underneath Bonucci's leg. Oh, that's um, cheating it's just a, it's a tricky situation and I, I never want to cry foul when it comes to this because I know it always comes around and we've benefited in our own ways over the years from these 50-50 calls but it's just a bizarre way to go out and it's it's very unfortunate again if, if you see an inept ref you would like to benefit from it in your own way as well too you'd like to believe that it goes both ways and in this case really hard to suggest that it was and I think the match was ours had uh, the penalty not been called we played well enough to yeah. win and everything that happened afterwards was just sort of a, uh, you know, very characteristic of the way the match was flowing afterwards. So very unfortunate. 
I think, you know, sorry, it, just I was just going to add one thing. I I watched that penalty so many times and and from different angles, and it's exactly like Chris said. He deliberately hooks his foot around Bonucci, but the worst part going. is, yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. But the worst part is, as he hooks his foot around and he's going to the ground, his head is already cocked around looking for the referee. He's literally doing it before he's actually made the impact. Mm. You can see his head is kind of ready to switch around and go like appeal for it. So you, he knows exactly what he's doing. The ref should have known what he's doing, but he's got a punchable face, doesn't he? I've I've hated I dislike yeah. Lautaro since the beginning. Now just legit. <laughs> and I wrote on Twitter and I was just mad. You know, sometimes you post something and you regret it later. I was, I, I don't. Fuck him. <laughs> he's a little clown that takes that 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 makes football not football. Like I don't consider you a great player. There's players you love to hate because they're good. All these years that we hated Ronaldo before we joined Juve, you respect him and you love to hate him because he kind of keeps proving you wrong. But this guy, you just you just dislike because because of these dives. And I don't watch many non-Juve games, and I happened to catch Torino versus Inter a few yeah. months, like two three months ago. And the the referees completely, like they say in Russian, they they grab them, they they drag them by the ears, and and they you know eventually won the game. Now those two points are why in are why Milan is not a champion yet. Yeah. So it's just very upsetting. So what do you guys say? Um, we go through the questions and shout yeah. out to Rob. He he um, he broke down the questions by quick fire, quick. Uh, <laughs> or discussion, discussion. I just didn't have time to do that, so I appreciate it. We want to give you all uh, the the time that you deserve. So, what do you say we do a quick question? One of you guys, whoever wants to take this on, uh, Gabriel Jesus or Jesus. Um, that this question is from Jeppe Jacobson. If I'm if I'm if I'm reading these names, I apologize. I'm I'm not good. Uh, Jeppe Jacobson. Maybe that's better. Gabriel Jesus doesn't even make sense to get another striker. Who wants to take on this one? Again, very Rap, quick. Oh, thank you, buddy. You're too gracious. Just very quickly. <clears throat> um, I don't think I don't think he wants to play as a striker. Uh, I read an interview with him from I think it was earlier in this year where he said that for the Brazilian national team and for City, while he's there, he wants to play more as a winger, and he's kind of got the versatility to do it as well. So I think. You can buy him as a striker by all means, but as a player, it sounds like he he's basically saying that he's got the qualities to play on the wing. So, you know, we could we could easily get him for that position, play him sort of on the wider left, or even play him alongside Vlahovic in the way that um, Morata has been playing, and he can he can be a bit more versatile where Vlahovic just kind of occupies that space in the box. Um, Jesus is is that guy that can can kind of arrive in the box and link up play. He's quite big, he's quite physical, and he's not as intimidated as Morata is. So that's just my two cents. Very quick. I don't know if Chris has got anything to add to that. Well done, sir. Yeah, <laughs> just really quickly, I think we, we sort of touched on it on Twitter yesterday when we were discussing it. I think for me, the one interesting thing that Gabriel Jesus provides is that he's used to being sort of a lone central, central striker in, in City system. And I think... In a different setup where he could play off of a prima punta, traditional number nine, say like Dusan Vlaovic, 
that's an interesting change of scenario for him. And I think, um, unlike Dybala, for example, who likes to drop a little bit deeper, Gabriel Jesus would be a nice fit playing a little bit more forward, a little closer to a bigger striker, sort of like Lautaro did last year off of Lukaku, for example. Don't you mention that name on my past. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Farhan, I'm he's, sorry. On my, he's on my hit list. Too soon. <laughs> sorry, did I totally interrupt, as always? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm done. Uh, thank you. I'm sorry about that. Um, question from Juve first. I like that. I like that username, dude. You, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question with many, many subplots in it. Uh, so uh, if you guys don't mind, I'll just give a quick question, two quick answers to these. Uh, so Juve first is asking, how much of the season's failures is down to? One, injuries and medical staff. Two, uh, Cristiano's late departure. Three, numerous manager slash play style changes. Four, inability, inability to strengthen wings and midfielders. So let's go one by one. Injuries and medical staff. Something's going on. I think they, I, I was talking to Giuseppe uh, Bonani. I think he was saying that there was, there was changes in the medical staff and he was really excited. I don't know enough about the medical staff. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of everything, but I'm not going to learn the names of the doctors. But apparently, one of the doctors has moved on and they're hiring someone really uh, competent. If you guys have anything, any, any info on that, please jump in. But I know it should get better. Uh, injuries have been crap. But, you know, you, you will get injuries during the game, like many of the players did. But injuries during or before before the game starts, during the warm-up, those injuries, I think Juve have the most ever. Uh, so that needs to change. Um, Cristiano's late departure, absolutely. And look look where he's at now. You know, he won't even be playing Champions League next year um, if he stays with Manchester United, which I doubt he will. Uh, but that's besides the point. That really screwed up the dynamic, man. That that was a blow. Absolutely. That, that you know, that first month first couple of months in Serie A were dreadful so uh, numerous management and uh, play style changes of course uh, I feel like Allegri is just getting his feet wet uh, under the new circumstances of course he's 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 blamed he's to blame for a lot but we'll 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 scrap this season and, and see what see what kind of changes he makes next year I I'll be shocked if we still play the way Allegri decides to play because this this season was a write-off. It was just awful. Tactics, awful uh, mentality. And, um, yeah, just when we thought we would get some kind of a bright spot, you know, Inter and, and, and uh, their 12th man decided to put an end on that. And finally, um, inability to strengthen wings and midfielders. Uh, we'll, again, we'll wait for next year. Um, this, we, we couldn't buy 10 players, right? We, we, this was, this is a reconstructive period. So, um, hopefully they address those areas. I hope you guys didn't mind that I took that one on my own. Um, cool. Oh, question for Chris. Uh, let me see the name of the person. Oh man. Glenn Stavlara. Quick question. Uh, Chris. If you could choose one, would it be Sergei Milinkovic-Savic or Pogba? 
for me, it's a pretty simple conversation to have. I'm perfectly happy with either one of the two. I think between the two, though, Milinkovic Savic is the one who is slightly younger, um, still sort of at the ascension part of his prime years. I think he's got the league familiarity. I think he's ready for a new challenge. And unlike Paul at this stage of his career, off of this very tumultuous Manchester United experience, Sergei has a lot of the ambition that maybe Paul no longer has, or at the very least, I think it would be fair for us to maybe question at this point. So for me, Sergey between the two, but I will happily take both it's a, if it's, it's, uh, a, it's, it's a, a good problem to day. have, right? Absolutely. All right, we're doing we're doing great here. Um, let's do uh, Andar. Andar is our is our good friend as always. Shout out to you. Great Juventina from Indonesia doing great work. And I even think with Juve itself, too. Uh, so he's asking, what's your take on Juve's season this year? Or that's not. What's your take on Juve's, on Juve this season? Sorry, we'll, we'll edit that in post. Uh, are we going from bad to worse on and off the pitch? If yes, what should Juve management do in your guys' opinion? And for us, Tifosi, what's your message? I think that's a really good question. What do you guys think? Um, is it, is it going from bad to worse? No, I don't think so. I think maybe it's more like we're kind of getting a sense of stability now. This kind of feels like that season that's sort of in between, you know, like we, we have a lot of aging players, players that are going to retire, players that are going to leave, players that are going to very soon become bench players and then they get reinforced by younger players. So I think, yeah, this, this was pretty much kind of a, transitional type of season we signed Vlajevic in January I don't think he was going to have the impact immediately to to kind of be able to put us into the title race so it's not it's not the end of the world plus going back to what you're talking earlier about the injuries like we lost Chiesa and he was probably our best player so that kind of hamstrung us but um yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's going from bad to worse. I think it's just a transitional period. I think there's just a lot of changes. A lot of stuff is is going to happen in the next, you know, sort of twelve months. I think the management have a pretty good grasp on it. Um, I still, uh, I know people. A lot of people will disagree, but I still have faith in Agnelli being, you know, like the president of the club and the other guys behind the scenes. Um, and what was the last thing he asked? Uh, opinion and for us to see what's your message for fans? Like you know, just stay positive. You know, like we're still in the Champions League. I know we talk about ten seasons and you know the drop off that we had last season and this season. We still made the Champions League, which is so important financially, and we've done that again this season. <clears throat> we're going to have a lot of changes in the summer. It should be exciting in a way. I know it feels weird to say that you know, when you finish the season after what happened yesterday. But the beautiful thing about football is you, you have those 90 minutes, you put it out of your mind and then you just focus on the next match. And for us, it's like the season is over. So let's just focus on, you know, what's going to happen in the summer and, and regenerating the team and hopefully signing some new players. Yeah. So it's, I, I would, I would almost prefer to, to get knocked out in the semifinal or quarterfinal. Because I really had my hopes up yesterday. I'm really, really pissed still. And I would celebrate. Oh, by the way, so few people joined me on YouTube for the kind of a watch along. I, I know pe- people people's watch alongs include hundreds of people. But hey, there was like three, four people with me. We had we had fun. We chatted. Thank you guys for joining if you're listening. 
um it was fun it was it was you know I'm by myself at home celebrating with others uh yeah i was i was really happy about about that blowage goal and we should we should kind of touch on that that counter attack man let's let's talk yeah. about something positive what did you guys think i like chris chris talk about that <laughs> Yeah, well, again, sort of bleeding in from from Rav's original point on the overall summary of the season too. I was I was just sort of thinking to myself, you know, we we've really yet to see the best of of Vlaovic as well, and I believe we've seen so much from him to be excited moving forward and also in the present. And I think a lot of people maybe have this sort of sense or desire for instant gratification on Vlaovic. And I think expectations were very high for what the season was going to be for him, especially upon arrival, which is basically, you know, at the start of February, uh, right towards the end of the window. And for me, um, with no Chiesa, with Ronaldo's departure, right before the beginning of the season, I think we were sort of thrown into a bit of a tumultuous place in terms of goal production or goal expectancy. And so, um, just looking at his impact overall and especially his impact in the match yesterday, um, goal and a beautiful counter, sadly, <laughs> bittersweet set up by Dybala. Um, the partnership that maybe never will be between the two of them. If we've seen them with great chemistry so far for me, uh, I think the best is yet to come. And, and I'm very satisfied with how he sort of coped with the situation upon arrival, knowing that, um, you know, we're in a bit of a state of flux at the moment and the situation as it relates to the attack, he's sort of on his own and forced to sort of succeed or win on his own, so to speak, on a minute by minute basis. And for me, I think we see some cohesive build up play moments of of team play, link up play where he is able to play off of somebody very capable like Dybala in these situations and you see the quality in the connection and the chemistry between the two. And I think we're going to sort of see um, the best version of that next season when Chiesa returns. But as it relates to yesterday, really nice build-up play, hit Inter on the counter. Dybala, perfectly weighted in time ball, finds Falvic. You would have probably liked him to finish first time, but, you know, he hits hey, Handanovic in the face squarely. Wasn't bad either, huh? <laughs> so, you know, you couldn't have drawn it up better in hindsight, I think, in the end. Have you guys yeah. ever been hit in the face with a with a with a football? Yeah, uh, all too many times. <laughs> oh really? I think that's I, I think that's why I'm the way I am, honestly. Another very underrated injury is knee to knee. When 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 players are riding on the on the field, I feel like a lot of it. Excuse me. I feel like a lot of it is simulation. But when knee to knee, there's one. It's one of those pains you can't do anything about. It's, yeah. It just needs to pass on its own, and it takes forever. I had, I had it once. I'm not going to lie that, you know, I've had it many times. But once was enough. That's like getting kicked in the nuts. It's awful. Um, I forgot what I was talking yeah. about. But um, what was I talking about? But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that was a goalkeeper. So, yeah. you know what? I'm used to getting oh, right. in the face all the time. So Yeah. Oh, that, wow. That's a tough. That's one of the t- I mean, if not the toughest, you know, role in terms of being in on the pitch that is yeah i had a i had a kid in school he um he was just playing you know we're on the field and he was just messing around and he hit the ball really hard just like kicking it out or something it wasn't even during the game we were just you know getting ready and he hits this girl in the face like from like <sighs> <laughs> like oh. five yards away that poor girl he, 
And <laughs> didn't even apologize. This kid was like, he was so shocked. He was just like walking around. He was so embarrassed. Uh, man, I can't yeah. imagine. I feel <laughs> like tough. for girls getting hit in the face with a ball or falling down in front of people, I think that's like the most embarrassing thing that can happen for a girl. So, yeah. Shout out to her. I'm sure she, I'm sure she recovered. Um, so question from Andrew Prasanna. Kind of controversial, but let's uh, talk about it. So is yeah. Inter getting obvious help from FIGC or the referees and the referees with the decisions or just me and UEFA fans who are just biased? Um, I don't think they're getting obvious help. It looks kind of obvious. I don't think they're getting obvious help, but it goes back to what we said so many times, I think through the season, like the standard of refereeing is being absolutely part of my language has been fucking dreadful i i can't remember a season this bad it just happens to tie in that i think inter have got a lot of good decisions i think they had once one against like the one you mentioned against torino there was one against sassuolo there was two against us in a couple of games i think they've had others they're the ones that kind of like spring to mind but the bigger question i think isn't so much are they being helped it's just what are they going to do because referees have been suspended for their performances in certain games where I, I think the the referee who awarded um, Lazio's goal when a Cherpi scored uh, in like the 90 something minute I think he's been suspended until the end of the season mm. because they didn't actually know the rules like one of the basic things about when the referee mm. I think it was to do with where the goalkeeper was positioned and how many people were behind him um, they didn't know the rules and they allowed the goal. So when you've got that level, if that's where you're starting from, how can you expect any of the others or how can you expect anything better than that if referees don't actually understand the rules? And last night was a good example. So <clears throat> I, I don't think I want to go down that kind of conspiracy route of, you know, like... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they're getting help, but imagine if something was discovered. I mean, that would be, <laughs> that would be such a, you know, if, if they do start an investigation and... Uh, probably not going to be anytime soon, but if that does happen, that would be such a such a validation for us. That would be uh, what's the it, word I'm I always for? such a vindication for us UEFA fans, and we'll we'll just never stop trolling them. I, I always said that the day that they get relegated to City B, or the day that they get found out for match fixing, is the day that I will forgive them for taking our titles. So. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I could possibly disagree with you on, on that front. There, there needs to be some sort of karmic justice that extends just far beyond a, a ten-year monopoly run of us dominating the league. So, I uh, to be quite honest with you, I think you asked the question in a in a very direct way: Is Inter getting obvious help from the from the FIGC? No, I, I think it's pretty obvious that that's not the case. I think we we've all sort of sat here in agreement over the fact that the refereeing situation is subpar to say the absolute least uh, within the league itself and so sort of unimaginable that a league that once produced colina is, is yeah, so right. unbelievably poor at producing referees in the modern game but i think this is just pretty much characteristic and, and stigmatic of the way any um you know top of the table sort of club tends to be viewed I know, obviously, that's the way we were viewed for many years, um, whether justified or not, whether, uh, you know, it was a moment where you could reasonably say that we were we were favored in some way or 
where we received a beneficial call that maybe, uh, you know, another referee in another league wouldn't have given. But this is generally the way I think things go. We saw Milan with so many penalties last year, and it just is, is the natural sort of order of things. And I think generally this is the way it goes, unfortunately. But we've seen too many viral moments, I think, for one year, even for our liking in this situation, where Inter has maybe benefited from some very suspect behavior on the pitch. But, you know, this is the natural flow of the game. And so it's very unfortunate. We never like it when it happens to our greatest rival. But, you know, this is the way the game goes. And I think there needs to be some sort of overhaul within the refereeing educational system within the FIGC, to say the least. I mean, we, we still have fantastic referees, even, I, again, forgive me for not knowing their names, but I should, because he's, he, he's, co- he's refereed the World Cup final, and he actually did the Real Madrid. Rizzoli? He, he just Is this Rizzoli you're speaking about? Uh, possibly. He's, he's excellent. I don't know why he couldn't. Because this 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 guy, the current Valeri, right? Is that his name? You yeah. can just see that. Yeah. Hey, I I am incompetent on his forehead. I'm I'm just I'm really mad if you guys haven't noticed it. <laughs> the only thing I was going to add was that I think there is a problem not just in Italy, but I think all across Europe where referees don't. I know this is going to sound stupid after what happened last night, but I don't think the referees get protection. I think they get a lot of abuse from fans and they get a lot of abuse from the players. Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It, when they make mistakes like that, they deserve it. But the problem is when when they're there getting that level of abuse and they don't have the protection, who is going to replace them? No younger people are going to want to go into refereeing. So you're kind of stuck with this pool of dreadful referees. It's not a profession that's going to attract people. It's something that you know young people are going to think, okay, I can't be a footballer. Maybe I could go and do something close to football. You see that level of abuse. You see these, you know, these guys getting insulted. And like I say, not just in Italy. It happens across Europe. There was something in the um, one of the Europa League games the other week where um, one of the West Ham players was insulting the referee, saying, "You know, were you paid? You must have been paid to do this." That's the level of abuse. And in a social media world where so people that, latch onto that, right? yeah. Exactly. And when fans latch onto that and the abuse becomes 10 times worse, you get death threats, all that kind of stuff. Who wants to be a referee? You know, and if it's, it's, it's a very, vicious, vicious circle. Very unsexy None profession me. to be in, isn't it? <laughs> very hey, true. Hey, what does your dad do? He's a ref. Uh, yeah. your mom do? Uh, but I, I, going back to refereeing for Inter, I feel like we should we should mention the circumstances under which they get calls. And I don't mean to become one of these podcasts that are crap. Listen, what happened happened. We'll get them next time. I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm mostly upset because we were robbed of, um, of giving such a, such a farewell to Dybala and Chiellini. It hurts me as a fan. Uh, but you, you just can't think of, can't help to think of the circumstances which they get awarded these penalties. 15 minutes to go. It's a, it's a iffy situation and oh well let's let's give them a chance to tie the game and then and then the second penalty we didn't even bring up the second penalty which i thought was even worse of a of a discrepancy because it's one of those game moments it's it's we don't watch the game in slow motion and just because inter inter players were protesting that hard that doesn't doesn't mean that you do have to take a look at it. Whatever you thought at the moment should stick. I just, um, yeah, it's it's even the 
controversial calls for Inter during that Torino game, again, that I bring up. Yeah. They were down 1-0, and then a couple of quick uh, quick referee referee mistakes to, to bring the game to 2-1. To Come on. Just the timing. Yeah. Timing is weird. And, uh, I mean, you can you can see the, the referee mistakes on, on Twitter just... You know, I know there's a Deshilio moment, and, and yeah, it's it's a mess. Um, I'm gonna go through a couple of questions here. Oh, Morton, Morton Bering, thank you so much. There's there's three questions here. I think people we're gonna kind of switch off from from the refereeing and from yesterday's game, and um, he's asking. Are we going to see Giorgio Chiellini in the management in the years to come? And Juve fans want to get rid of Alexandro, but isn't isn't it more likely Pellegrini will leave because he's easier to move? Let's tackle those two boys. Who wants to who wants to take on the Chiellini question? Should be pretty quick, right? Yep. Just, just from my point of view, uh, yes, hundred percent. He'll be back in management. I, I don't think I don't have any doubts. Um, getting rid of Alexandro, uh, I, I'm hoping. I don't know how realistic it is. Maybe I'm being too optimistic because I've been out of the loop for a while. But I'm hoping they get rid of Sandro and, and keep Pellegrini. That's it. I, I just the the drop off when it comes to Alexandro and how he used to be and how he is now. It's kind of depressing. There was a moment. There was a moment in yesterday's game where it was Alexandro. Um, in a nutshell, within five seconds, they're attacking, right? Great tackle, clean. I think it was even like a like a uh, a slide. Takes the ball away. What does he do next? We all know what he does next. He gives the ball away. So it's 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 the defensive part of Alexandro, which is still kind of still has some kind of competency. But then going forward, and I know he scored. Yeah. Um, he was wide open. It was anyone would shoot in that situation. Am I right? Um, going forward, it, it's just just terrible. It's just it's just abysmal. And then and then Pellegrini comes out and like, you mean to tell me Pellegrini was available this whole time and you didn't give him a chance? Yeah. Allegri, Allegri, and and the youth. And I know the next question is about the youth, um, but we'll we'll get to that. I want to I want to ask Chris what his uh, thoughts are. Yeah, you know what? The, the Alexandro discussion is always a funny one, especially when his name comes up on Twitter. He's he's sort of a memeable player in that everybody always has something very negative to say about him. And quite frankly, it's, it's totally justified in most cases. And that's sort of the enigma that is Alexandro's over the past two to three seasons. He, he's been vital in terms of functionality and, and usage at so many points throughout his Juventus career. And for me, I think, I have a difficult time hating him or, or disliking him for what he is. It's just, he's at the point in his Juventus tenure now where, where he is sort of like Pjanic in his last year, where he is a guy who served the club for a I time and, and sort of is now just at the end of his line with the club. And it's time for him to go. And um, fortunately, too many marquee and memorable defensive errors that are just too difficult to overlook at this point. And, he just doesn't have the legs going forward anymore. And it's just very unfortunate to see the drop up, knowing how good and how important he was for this team um, upon arrival in his first few years. And so 
I ask myself the question too when when Pellegrini enters the game. Uh, you know, is Pellegrini particularly effective, or is it just a matter of um, we have a little bit more more mobility on the left flank by comparison because Alexandro's legs just aren't what they used to be, and so Pellegrini has a difficult time converting even his crosses, and where we saw so many of them were cut out on the wide areas yesterday as well too, and. I don't know. I, I find myself wondering if Luca Pellegrini is, is the answer at left back, but I certainly do think that he is a capable squad player, someone who deserves to fight for a place next season. And I do think between the two, Pellegrini, despite being younger and likely more easy to move, will certainly stay next year and continue to fight for his place in some sort of depth role while Sandro, unfortunately, at this point, walks the plank. It's time for him to go. Definitely. Yeah, sure. I agree with all that. Uh, just a quick um, question, Chris. Do you yes. think um, do you think Chiellini will return to the management at some point? Mm. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's it's an inevitability when we look at some of the former players that have have left us in recent years. Uh, you know, Buffon has activities uh, elsewhere. I believe he owns a club in City B or City or City C. Sorry, um, Marquisio is is sort of the old talisman living in, in Torino, and I, I don't think he's going to be someone who rejoins management. Certainly Del Piero loves life in L.A. Um, with Farhat. And so I think for me, the, hey man, the most likely... I, I, I can always say, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm dying to know what you say. But um, the just to, to close the loop on the Chiellini point, I think, again, you, you talk about his his educational background too, even I think he's being groomed or has been grooming himself for managerial role for many years as well too. And when he's done his, uh, his many jaunts to the MLS, maybe next year for a quick season, I think it's an inevitability that he, he joins the ranks, Alan Nedved or, or Cameronesi or in some role in some capacity with this team. I do see it at some point. Yes, sir. So there's something I want to bring up. Um, by the way, I was I was listening to Rob tell uh, talk to us about the refereeing referees and how they're not protected. When Rob is running, FIGC is going to put helmets on all the <laughs> on all the coat, uh, on all the um, referees. So not a bad idea. I want to give, oh, give a shout out to um, Bad Juve takes. Um, he he just tweeted. Uh, not going to lie, I've been listening to the Juve podcast since I was like eleven. Go to podcast best in the UV community by far, dude. Thank you so much. That's all I gotta say. I do appreciate it. Um, I always, always want to make sure that I tell you guys that I do love you and appreciate all the kind words. Uh, he's a he's a new he's a new one on Twitter. He's like 97 followers, so give him a follow at Bad that Takes. Uh, so here's his question. Chris said that he wants to close the loop on Killini, but uh, Bad Juve Takes kind of open it again. He's asking who should replace Chiellini. Chris. Hmm. It's an interesting discussion. I... Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, that's, that's the can of worms we want to open up now at this point. Um, for me, I think we need somebody certainly who is, who is experienced, somebody capable of eating minutes, because I don't think that we want to enter next season um, relying heavily on Bonucci to play more games than he's played um, this season as he's been aging. And I certainly don't think Lugani is capable of being viewed as anything more than a, a 
you know, somewhat reliable fourth center back, which is a role that I think he sort of made his own this year and has proven to be useful in. But for me, I think we need a legitimate number two center back, somebody who can be relied upon. I, I thought Antonio Rudiger would have been absolutely perfect. Uh, um, somebody in that profile, not necessarily somebody like him or, or as good as him, but I think somebody in that profile, somebody experienced, um, you know, in the later 20s range, not too old, has a future, but still uh, mobile, still athletically inclined. And I think somebody like that cut from that cloth is what we need to be finding on well, the market. When, when they put the arm bat, captain's arm bat on Dillick next year, it's over for those bastards. Um, yeah, definitely needs to um, needs to be worthy of. But that's a great point on Delict too, though, unquestionably, Farhad. We 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 have a very reliable pillar through which we can build around at that position, though, which is great. So it makes this this easing away from Chiellini and into whoever his replacement will be a lot easier. Yes, sir. So just to, um, um, it's tough to find Chiellini's stats. Overall, but we'll just bring up the trophies that he's won. European champion once. Scudetto winner nine times. Just let that sink in. Coppa Italia five times. Super Coppa Italiana five. I mean, countless others. Um, I've met him too, by the way. I've taken a picture with him in San Francisco. Super cool dude. I always tell the story how in 2013, Conte was still... Uh, the coach, we went to meet the, the meet the team in San Francisco, drove up there with my friend, uh, shout-outs to Robert. And um, the training went kind of long, and some some players just went straight to the bus, but the core, the core did come up to us because they knew we were waiting for them. Buffon, Bonucci, Chiellini, uh, Maurizio Isla. <laughs> Out of all people, <laughs> I have a picture with Marita wow. Isla, which is which is hanging hanging in my bedroom. Um, yeah, yeah Kellini was one of the guys who who came up to me to say, to say hi. Um, fan favorite. What 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 what's your favorite Kellini um, memory, boys? Oh, every everything. <laughs> every time he set foot on the pitch. Every time that people wrote him off and said, ah, he's too old. And then he goes on the pitch in like a Champions League game and beats someone that's, you know, literally half his age and makes this incredible tackle, then stands up and then roars like a freaking lion. It just, yeah, I love that guy. I have so speaking much Speaking respect. of player, Speaking of players you love to hate, I feel like our rivals, that's, that's what, and I've read some comments yeah. online, even Inter fans, even Milan fans, like, Look, this guy embodied Italian football. This, 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 and and you know the the Saka sh- uh, shirt pool. By the way, I have those. I have those shirts on the website. You can DM me if you'd like that. Um, yeah, but I, I can say we'll we'll move to Chris. But real quick, my favorite memory was I was so lucky to go and see Juve play Real Madrid in the semifinal. I think it was 2015 or 16 in Turin. Uh, where he's got he got the bloody headband and he's that that famous psycho photo. I was there at the stadium. Every time he touched the ball, every tackle on Ronaldo, every cr- I mean, there was there was one point where Ronaldo was in the air for a couple of seconds and stadium erupted. You know, you don't get that. You 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 get closer close to that in the rest of Euro, but in Italy, that art of defending is not dead. And I feel like Chiellini was a Chiellini was the was the 
most famous painter. He painted with his blood from his head. Just Google his photos with a bloody headband. Uh, we're gonna for sure miss him. You know, nobody will ever come close to him. And my wife thinks he's handsome. Please, thoughts on that. I, I know he's charming and everything, but she, my wife loves him. Uh, I even I think got that's good news for you, Farhad. <laughs> I mean, I, how can I, how can I compete, right? Um, I, uh, Giants.com, we have the hoodie with the psycho photo on it, but we'll go check it out. I got my, uh, my, my wife was looking at me, you know, making the, the design and everything. She's like, uh, am I going to get one? Cause I really want one. So I got her for her birthday. She's still wearing it. Chris. I think that's what you're, I think that's what you're looking for. You, you want your woman to, to like a guy like Chiellini who, who is, you know, within striking distance of the norm, what the normal man can hope to look like or, or be compared to rather than comparing him to like a Cristiano Ronaldo or something. Um, no, honestly, I think for me, I think when I think back to his entire career, I don't know that there's one particular moment. I, I think that the one thing that I see in my head when I'm, when I'm asked the question is uh, all of the times he would celebrate with Buffon after an yes. incredible defensive intervention. And those are just so characteristic of, of who he was as a player, who he is as a player, I should say. And, um, just all of the, the, the bandage wrap moments, as you said, you knew that that was a signal that it was game over. You knew that that, that, that was, that is literally the moment that the opposition knows that the match has, has come to its end and, and there is no goals further for this game. And, uh, you know, I, I think maybe if I were to give you one moment that I really look back on, um, maybe not one moment in particular, but one period in time in his career, Seeing some of those early battles between he and Cavani when Cavani was still at Napoli, mm-hmm. the hair pulling, the shirt tugging, <laughs> the the shoulder to shoulder, it, it's such throwback calcio. And for me, yeah. I, I really look back to those moments and have such fond memories. And, and Chiellini is such a throwback and, and so much uh, of that era is, is sort of coming down to um you know, the way he was taught how to play the, the game within this league and, and so much identity defending um, towards his career. So I, I leave you boys on that note and I unceremoniously bow out. But for me, that was a great stroll down memory lane. And I am now going to spend the rest of my day watching Keelini clips. <laughs> thank, and and so thank thanks you before, very you, before you go, thank you so much again for joining us. This was, this was fun. You're welcome anytime. You're just hard nice to get case. a hold of. Believe me, we would have him on every day. It's just this guy <laughs> goes underground and he, he's there and he loves it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm as of, much of an enigma in my real life as I am on Twitter, apparently. I like it. We need more people like you. You know, I, I, the older you get, the more you appreciate people who are just mysterious. And I like that. Uh, before you go, it's just, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Kilini's, uh highlights. And I feel like some strikers don't have as many highlights as Kilini does uh, for his defending. And I feel like that's just, this is for, this is for Giorgio. Chris, thank you, buddy. I appreciate Thanks, you. Chris. Thank you, boys. Thank you, Rav. Thank you, Farhad. And I will be back on soon, and the three of us will do it again immediately, yes, as soon as we can. Absolutely. Yes, Thank you, boys. Look forward to it. All right. This guy's a fraud, right? Oh, sorry, Chris. Hey, still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have much else to talk about. Uh, I feel like this has been a, a, a good therapy session once again. I remember the worst therapy session was the loss against Bayern Munich, uh, oh. where Everett didn't clear the ball. 
Oh, um, my God. Yeah. No, the, the, the one after the loss, at, well, the win or the knockout at Bernabeu, that was a bad one. That was a tough um, one to swallow. Yeah. The, um, the most recent one was Villarreal loss, which we had to do two episodes for. Uh, but this this yeah. is more, this, this it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what your, and the listeners, obviously, what your guys' expectations were. I think it's coming coming at the right time of the season as well. I think because it's coming at the end, I think people are probably exhausted. You know, it's getting to the end of the season. People are being very tired, um, not just from watching the games, but I think maybe the way that the games have been played, the, the football hasn't been great. And I think coming to this point of the season, people are kind of just tired and sort of relieved that it's over in a sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just so, just one quick point I wanted to touch on. Just something that you mentioned about Chiellini when you talked about like the art of of defending and what he does. The, the more I think about it, the more I sort of I was thinking while you and Chris were talking about players that do what he does, and I can't think of anyone else that has been mm-hmm. able to do what he did. Like players that don't have the pace, you know, they don't have the, the that kind of speed that can figure out in their heads another way to beat the player that they're up against. And Chiellini does that. He's so damn intelligent. It, it's like a, it's not, a, I know some people call it like the dark arts. It, it is to an extent. It really is. But he, he has it down, man. That guy is just a, a master of, of defending. So, people should so, go and listen to so it. Chris brought up the, the, the battle with Cavani. Mm. Uh, what other battles come to your mind? Because now that I'm thinking about it, the, Ibra. the, <laughs> Ibra, Ibra, Ibra. Still, um, the ones against Lukaku. Yeah. I know there was sometimes where Delict was 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 keeping him, but Kellini yeah. certainly had some battles with Lukaku. Who else? It, if it's it, legendary, it, isn't it? The more I talk about Kellini, he he is Juve, and um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be sad. And I really hope he comes to um, to America to play the MLS for one season. Seems I like think all he's, of. All, I think he's guaranteed more or less. I think the, the the rumors are, I think they said it was either going to be Miami or I Los forget Angeles. the other place. Los Angeles. Yeah, that's it. So I think it's one of those yeah. two. He wants to come and sit in the sunshine for a while. So you guys are going to get to like appreciate him for a season or two. But that, like the, the games against Real Madrid in the Champions League, it felt like every other season we were playing Real Madrid and he was like, you know, like every other player, you kind of think maybe they're a little bit worried and Kalini's like licking his lips. Like, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get, yeah. And, he's, and of know, course, Ronaldo, you know, battles against Ronaldo. He's he's going to be a player. I, I hate to say it. People, people who maybe don't watch City out, don't watch Juventus enough. He's someone that is going to go under the radar. People are going to say, oh yeah, it's, he's that guy and he's this and he's that, but people are not going to fully appreciate what it is that he brought to Juve or what he's done over the last 10 years in particular. People won't get it. If you support Juventus, you get it. If you haven't watched Juve over the last 10 years, you haven't seen what he brings, how, how intelligent that guy is in terms of his positioning and his defending and how he psychs other players out. You have no idea. That guy had, had it, down to a just down to a T. He had it down to a perfect art. And yeah, people from the outside are gonna look in and go, ah, oh, it's so sad that he's you guys don't know. Well what about <laughs> his, what clear. about what about his legendary flops? I know we can't we can't deny that he was such an actor, but he did it he did it as a defender, which is which was baffling to to uh to to players <laughs> who've never played against him. And then 
you see looks on their faces when he fools the referee <laughs> and uh but but in in a, in a way where you don't hate that you know in a way where and then That's he the kisses game. them and, and then he was he would kiss them and give them a hug and and remember that time what was that during Euro 2020 where in, uh, against Spain when he lifted up uh, Jordi Alba he got into that guy's head like he <laughs> he got his hand and he got right inside that poor little man's brain oh and my he, god he's, yeah, yeah amazing mind Kalini games was a guy. master a chess player he would he would kill you with kindness and then he would bust that's his it. head open and, and uh, that, that's the thing off off the pitch I, I know some people that have known him off the pitch and sort of worked with him off the pitch and they everyone says the same thing he is the nicest sweetest most humble guy you get him on the pitch he's like a freaking yeah. you know like a titan he's like one of those gods of old you just yeah amazing My- my man, my man came back from AC, right? Was it an ACL injury? I think so. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I, I think possibly. It was, a, it was a bad one. He did and have he, a, a bad it, injury at one point. And then he comes back at like 34, 35 years old. And hold on, I'm Googling. And then, you know, wins the freaking European Championship. <laughs> Goodness, was it that recent? It could well have been. Killing injury. Yeah. Killing, he, he suffered issue blah, blah, blah. he's had his share over the years but he, he that's what i keep going back to is the fact that when players lose a yard or when they have those serious injuries they they kind of resign to the scrap heap and chiellini was like no i don't need to do that yet i can just outthink other players i can i can position myself better and yeah yeah his, his positioning Amazing. his positioning even yesterday you know, yeah. even yesterday, his positioning was sublime. He was all over the place. He was like a man possessed. And yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, the referee definitely robbed us of the of the happiness of celebrating Kellini. And yeah. ah, it's a shame. Rob, mm. brother, as always, thank mm. you. This this we we planned this, and it would be a cop out if we didn't do a podcast, even if we lost. So I thank yeah, you for sticking absolutely. to your guns. And uh, Chris, you're the best. I hope people enjoyed finally hearing Chris. And Literally, as I was listening to him, I was like, yeah, that's definitely the guy behind the account. He's using words like <laughs> yeah. stigmatic and, and uh, <laughs> pedantic. Absolutely. But uh, Chris, you're the best. Rob, you're also the best. Thank you, sir. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for your questions. I posted you know, a tweet, and I was not expecting this much, um, this much response. We thank you for listening. Forza Juve. Forza Juve.